Local talk is back in the valley. It's the conversation you've missed. The Mike Douglas Show, weekdays at 3 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome to this Thursday afternoon edition of the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mike Douglas with you, serving and uh, honored to serve as your concierge for conversation as we take a look at and converse about the big deals, the big issues of the day that affect you and me right here in the Central Valley of California. And today, the conversation, we're going to start uh, with an event that occurred about almost a week ago, a little over a week ago. Four members of the Gymnastics Team USA, young ladies, appeared before the U.S. Senate Judiciary uh, Committee to talk about the way the FBI handled their testimonies about abuse at the hands of physician Larry Nasser. Now, Larry Nasser is serving lifetime sentences in prison right now. But the problem that surfaced in that hearing was the FBI really appears to have fumbled the interviews and the follow-up with those young ladies. In just a moment, a retired FBI agent, Bob DeKlinski, will be with us, and Bob will talk to us about his impressions of this, and we'll get a little deeper into what the FBI should be doing, should have done, and hopefully may do in the future. Before we do that, let's set the stage with just a few quick comments. First of all, uh, again, from that hearing before the Senate Judiciary Committee on September 15, here's Simone Biles. To be clear, I blame Larry Nassar, and I also blame an entire system that enabled and perpetrated his abuse. Michaela Maroney also testified before that committee. I then told the FBI about Tokyo the day he gave me a sleeping pill for the plane ride to then work on me later that night. That evening, I was naked, completely alone, with him on top of me, molesting me for hours. And then Michaela talked about her opinion of the ramifications of what the FBI either did or did not do in terms of follow-up. By not taking immediate action from my report, they allowed a child molester to go free for more than a year. And this inaction directly allowed Nassar's abuse to continue. What is the point of reporting abuse if our own FBI agents are going to take it upon themselves to bury that report in a drawer? The third member of Team USA to testify was Maggie Nichols. I reported my abuse to USA Gymnastics over six years ago, and still my family and I received few answers and have even more questions about how this was allowed to occur. And then the fourth member of that team, Allie Raceman, gave her testimony. The FBI and others within both USAG and USOPC knew that Nasser molested children and did nothing to restrict his access. It was like serving innocent children up to a pedophile on a silver platter. And then FBI Director Christopher Wray addressed uh, the committee as well as the four young ladies. I'm sorry that so many different people let you down over and over again. And I'm especially sorry that there were people at the FBI who had their own chance to stop this monster back in 2015 and failed. And that is inexcusable 
it never should have happened, and we're doing everything in our power to make sure it never happens again. All right, so that sets the stage for our conversation right now. We welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show former retired FBI agent Bob DeKlinski. Bob, thanks for making time to be with us today. I always appreciate your input. Uh, thank you for inviting me. Uh, it's always a pleasure to, to be on your show. Bob, as, as you listen to that as a retired FBI agent, what are some of your initial responses to what you heard from these young women in terms of how they were handled by the FBI? Well, obviously, it, it saddens me. And um, as somebody who's, you know, with an FBI for 24 years as an agent, um, I had occasions to uh, investigate uh, child pornography and, and molestation. And so um, it saddens me that uh, this was handled wrong and that uh, uh, the countless victims, I think there were probably over 70 of them, that uh, suffered at the hands of this uh, monster. Bob, there was a day, and I'm going way back in my law enforcement days, a couple decades ago, when sometimes interviews were not handled well, but I think times mm-hmm. changed, and and uh, law enforcement was fairly quick to react to the fact that we needed to do a better job. I, I was just struck, Bob, by this. This is... 2021 and understanding that these interviews uh, occurred a couple of years ago but i was quite surprised that uh the the way these young ladies were treated and the lack of follow-up um from Mm -hmm. your point of view it sounds to me like with you having handled a lot of different kinds of cases that this was not what the fbi should have been doing and and probably not part of your protocols was it No, not at all. Uh, Just some of the basic investigative techniques were violated. And um, it continued with our senior officials. And uh, it all started in our Indianapolis field office. And um, when they met with the U.S. Olympics people in uh, July of 2016, I'm sorry, 15, uh, it just started downhill. They failed to document uh, proper investigations of... uh, during the interviews, uh, collections of evidence, uh, uh, proper notifications of different field offices. Uh, it was just one thing after another. And, and uh, I don't blame Director Ray for being so upset because uh, they violated the most basic rules of investigative techniques. Bob, let's go over very quickly. And, and I, you always assume people know, and, and maybe some don't know, why was this an FBI case? Why is the FBI brought into a situation like this? Well, uh, the Olympic uh, people, you know, felt that it was with the FBI at first. And um, it also uh, was a local matter also, too. And um, what it comes down to is that uh, this ended up being charged with child pornography when they searched his, his, uh, his locations and uh, but this was going over state lines, possibly. So the initial thought was that it was handled by the FBI because of that matter to jurisdiction. Um, they eventually moved it out of our Indianapolis office over to uh, uh, our resident agency uh, in uh, Michigan. So um, it, it took a while to figure out who had jurisdiction on this thing, and it, it fit in half. 
especially when they talk to the United States Attorney's Office. Uh, it went so far as to weeks and months uh, before investigations were conducted properly. And, and Bob, was that due to territorial issues by agencies or just lack of communication? What, what do you think was the cause of the, of the miscalculation there? It was just simply uh, uh, a matter of not realizing what, what they had here. Um, they had one person that they interviewed, and uh, instead of interviewing the three people that were named by the U.S. Olympic Committee, uh, that were uh, violated at that time. And so the one thing is they conducted a phone interview of the one victim and uh, didn't follow up with uh, the other two victims and uh, actually uh, sat down and face-to-face. And if they had, they would have realized what they had. And um, even if we didn't have jurisdiction, they should have contacted the local authorities. There would have been jurisdiction there. Bob, here's a question, and, and you may not know it, uh, but it, it comes to my mind right away. Uh, is I, I wonder, w- were the parents aware of this? And if so, I would imagine they're, w- were their pleas unheard, or, or do you have any idea about the parents' uh, information on this? Yeah, that I don't know. Uh, it should have been, uh, since there were minors, once this thing uh, started falling apart and they realized what they had, the, the parents should have been notified and to get their input because you just you just don't go about interviewing minors without the parents involved. And that was another mistake, too, is that they were minors at this time, and uh, the parents should have been involved. It's just... It's, Unfortunately, a, a failure of uh, senior managementship, man, uh, managementship, and uh, it just—it's just another black eye on the FBI. You got Director Comey and McCabe, the Deputy Director, uh, uh, making false statements and stuff on other matters, and and uh, our leadership needs to be cleaned up. And I'm hoping Doc, our Director Ray, is taking care of that. Our guest is. Bob DeKlinski, retired FBI agent, as we uh, take a look at the aftermath of the testimonies of the gymnasts, the young ladies of Team USA, uh, as they tell about their experiences with the FBI to the Senate Judiciary Committee, and we'll see what happens uh, in the aftermath of that. We'll continue our discussion with Bob DeKlinski in just a moment. If you would like to uh, comment or you have a question uh, for Bob, or if if you're a mother or a father, and you just want to uh, say how you would feel if your daughter was treated that way and nothing came of it. Our phone number here, 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. We'll continue the discussion in about three or four minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Father, preacher, friend. It's the conversation you've missed. The Mike Douglas Show, weekdays at 3 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And thank you so much for joining us this Thursday afternoon here on the Mike Douglas Show. Our conversation right now centering around the the testimonies of four members of Team USA, the gymnastic team, uh, four young ladies, Allie Reisman, Simone Biles, Michaela Maroney, and Maggie Nichols and their testimony before the U.S. 
U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee back on September 15. Our guest is Bob Deklinski. Bob is a retired FBI agent. And, Bob, very quickly, we'll get to the phones in just a moment. Uh, I grew up as, mm-hmm. as a kid, and, and the FBI was like the Holy Grail. You know, I watched all the TV shows about law enforcement and the FBI, <laughs> and I, you know, I want to be an FBI agent. Uh, trust, it seems like, is, is an issue today. Just uh, real quickly, some thoughts from you on, on what the FBI might want to do to rebuild that trust with America. Well, first of all, I'm just glad that, um, you know, Director Ray came out and, and um, took the uh, the blame for it, not, not him personally, but that we had to face up to uh, what happened with these uh, gymnastics people. And that's the first step. And then uh, he's going to follow the recommendations of the Office of Inspector General that investigated it as an independent arm of the Justice Department. And then uh, thirdly, uh, we have to uh, see if the Justice Department is going to prosecute uh, the agents that were involved in this, uh, uh, especially the uh, special agent in charge of the Indianapolis office and a supervisory special agent that was uh, involved in this thing, too. Um, uh, they failed all the way down the line. And in fact, uh, uh, the supervisory special agent uh, falsified his interview notes. And so... Uh, they're, they're going to have to do a lot more uh, right now. And uh, and then they're going to follow up. Uh, I'm sure the OIG is going to follow up and make sure that uh, they implement all these uh, uh, these new policies. But the one thing I want to emphasize is that uh, this is not the FBI that I know uh, when I was mm. in. And number two, mm. it's it's not the FBI agents, men and women, that are on the ground right now. It's, it's ARPA management that's causing the issue. Yeah. Yeah, Bob, great. Great thought. Bob Deklinski, our guest, a retired FBI agent. Bob, let's go to the phones, 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. And uh, to LaGrange we go. Dennis, welcome to the show today. Hello, Mike. Uh, have a, you probably anticipate this, but I'll tell you, the fish, I think it comes from uh, The Godfather, the movie. Uh, the fish rots from the head, and our federal government in all departments, all has been revealed. Actually, probably the best thing that uh, President Trump did, though I admired most everything he did. I didn't care about his tweets or whatever they are. But anyway, mm-hmm. he made the rats run, and they showed their faces everywhere. The FBI, I'm sorry, Christopher Ray to me, He's more interested in the riots of June or uh, January 6th than he is the 180 days of riots that took place all over the country. Also, the uh, former director of national intelligence, uh, as if there aren't enough of those, uh, I think there's 17 or 18 agencies, intelligence agencies. I think his name was Brennan. I'm not sure I have that right. But he was rotten to the core, too, should be in jail right now. And what's happening to all these people? The rot, the rats, nothing. And it's like I say, the fish rots from the head. The State Department is rotten, as proven by Afghanistan. Uh, the DOJ is rotten, as proved by innumerable things that are going on. Um, 
that's all I have to say, and probably more than enough. <laughs> okay, Dennis. Thanks so much for your comments. Appreciate you calling in. Yeah. And uh, I, I think one of the points there, uh, very quickly, uh, Dennis, uh, is, is that change uh, comes from the top. And uh, oftentimes, mm-hmm. dysfunction comes from the top as well, and uh, both need to be initiated at the at the very top levels. Bob, let's let's take another quick call here. Uh, out to Brentwood we go. Sure. John, welcome to the Mike Douglas Show today. How are you, John? Hey, Mike, pretty good. Um, just reiterate on the last caller. He's completely right that over the last ten or fifteen years, whether it was the investigation into the many investigations into Hillary that were completely biased. The, the complete lying and signing off on fake documents by the FBI against Donald Trump, interviewing minors without parents in prison is completely indefensible. If I were one of the parents, they would be held to pay for somebody. And I believe the FBI over the last 10 or 15 years has just become a political arm of the government, and it's it's not really it's not really protecting the law or 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 anything like that. It's basically another, it's, for the most part, it's another branch of the Democrat Party. And that's my comment on it. Thanks. All right, John, thanks for calling in. Uh, Bob, I think there is a, a point there maybe we can discuss very quickly. We've got about two minutes left. Uh, mm-hmm. Has sure. Is it becoming too political at the top ranks of agencies like the FBI? Is, that's what, is that what's happening and, and needs to be resolved? Yeah, no matter what agency it is, uh, once you get to that level and you head back to uh, Washington, D.C., uh, it's a lot of political uh, uh, footwork going on. Uh, you may go back there as somebody that's, you know, uh, really wants to do a good job, but it becomes political. And uh, the FBI is not immune from that. It can be the State Department, uh, those two gentlemen. Uh, I agree uh, that a lot of this stuff is uh, based on uh, political reasoning, not using the people that uh, really know how to do the work and investigations and stuff and, and uh, falsifying documents. Uh, you know, the Russian situation uh, with Trump, um, uh, the bureau was involved with uh, not following proper techniques and and uh, not reviewing documents that were false documents going to the uh, the surveillance court. So uh, those two gentlemen, uh, you know, they've got some points that they've made. Bob, thank you. I really appreciate your comments today and and your transparency. And and again, growing up as a kid. Uh, FBI was uh, almost like an icon. I mean, the, the, this 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 is what I want to be able to rely on, and and my hope is that uh, revelations like this will help to clean things up. And I think, as you pointed out, and several of the other callers pointed out as well, that that, that kind of change probably needs to come from the top. And uh, before we go, though, Bob, thank you for your service. I know you had many years in the FBI, and. We don't want to leave you today without thanking you for uh, all the sacrifices and the, and the tremendous job you did uh, for our era yeah. and our area uh, in the FBI. So thank you, sir, for, uh, for your service. Well, thank you, and you're welcome. And uh, it begins with the transparency, like you said, and it'll make us all better. All right. Again, uh, Bob Deklinski, our guest. Thank you so much. Uh, Bob retired uh, from the FBI, had a great career, and appreciate his comments today uh, so much. Coming up on the Mike Douglas Show, we're going to talk about SB9, which Governor Newsom just recently signed. 
uh, could do away with a lot of single-family residences in California. As far as zoning law goes, we'll talk about the ramifications of that and whether we need to worry about it. That's coming up on the Mike Douglas Show in about five minutes on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, every weekday at 3 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. It's today's conversation for Stockton, Modesto, and beyond. beyond. Now, back to the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And Mike Douglas here. Thanks so much for joining us here Monday through Friday, 3 to 4 p.m. here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. My privilege to serve as your concierge for conversation as we keep it live and local, airing your voice so that you have a voice. You're able to express your thoughts about the issues of the day that directly affect you and me right here in California's Central Valley. One of the things we like to do is is keep track of what, what those pesky guys and gals up in Sacramento in the legislature are doing. Hundreds of bills get passed each year, and it, it's hard to, to wade through all of them. One of them just got signed, SB9, got signed by Governor Newsom just very recently, and the sum and substance is it affects single-family zoning in California. Uh, it's allowing up to four units on many single-family lots, and that has a lot of ramifications if we, uh, if we stop to think about it. And to help us think about it is Terry Withrow. He is the vice chair of the Stanislaus County Board of Supervisors representing District 3. And uh, Terry, welcome to the Mike Douglas Show. Thanks for making time to be with us today. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. So as we look at uh, SB9 from your perspective as uh, uh, the, the county's representative on the Board of Supervisors, what are your initial reactions to SB9 now that it has been signed into law by Governor Newsom? Uh, some positives, negatives? Uh, how, how do you react to it? Well, I, Mike, I don't see a whole lot of positive from it. It's just kind of a continuing disturbing trend that's kind of coming out of Sacramento. One of the, the great things that we have, you know, the government, especially at the local level, is we're here to protect our citizens, and then we're here to um, provide infrastructure and, and, and as far as where everyone lives and is able to move about within the county. And this is um, kind of taking away local control, which seems to be the trend, um, across, you know, not only the state, across this nation, is we kind of are losing our local control as to how we can um, plan our own neighborhoods, you know, where, what type of houses we want in different areas. And, um, and like I said, very disturbing. Basically, this just outlaws single-family zoning in California, and it, and it allows um, what they call a ministerial approval, which is just a, basically a rubber stamp um, to, to be able to put a duplex on lots that are, you know, previously have been zoned as single-family residents. So um, not a good thing as far as we're concerned. And, and like we said, duplexes could be as many as, as, as four, four new residents on there. If they're big enough lots, um, they could actually expand, you know, a couple duplexes on there. So um, if, you know, the purpose of local government is to um, – one of our functions is, is um, zoning, and they're taking that out of our hands. 
and I think it's, it's um, like I said, a, a disturbing trend that's been going on for, for years here. There's been other le legislation that's come through um, that, that tries to start to tell us in our county what type of houses, how many houses we have. Another um, area, it's called the RENA numbers that we get. Um, basically, every, every six, every eight years, they have these cycles. We're in our sixth cycle right now of RENA numbers, RENA numbers and it's, RENA stands for Regional Housing Needs Assessment. And the state basically tells you, based on your population and your conditions, you need to plan on building this many more houses. And, and the, the recent RENA numbers that just came out call for another 34,176 34, houses in our county, which means within our cities and in the unincorporated areas, we have to plan for and eventually build another 34,000 houses based on what the state is telling us. And then they also tell us how to break those houses down from, you know, single family to duplexes to low income housing. And, and so, um, so we kind of lose control of our own destiny here. And it's very, very disturbing for all of us, the trend that's happening here. Terry Withrow, our guest. Again, Terry Withrow is uh, the vice chair of the Stanislaus County Board of Supervisors representing District 3. Uh, Terry, one of the things that, that hit me right away when I learned of this and, and uh, Governor Newsom signing it was infrastructure. And the big thing to me right away was water. Good night. Right now we're in the middle of a, 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 a devastating drought and now the state is saying you have permission to build more housing on single-family residential lots. I think one of the big burners for me, the the lack of logic on this, Terry, is water itself. How are we going to supply all of these additional housing units with water that's diminishing in its availability right now? Right. So here we are in the middle of this drought, struggling and, and looking to have to take more and more water away, you know, from our area, whether it be agriculture or our cities. And then they come up with um, with these mandates telling us that we need to increase the amount of houses, which, like you say, is a demand on our water supply and not only on our water. So, so that's a that's one thing. You're right, Mike. That's a, a major concern. But then also, you know, traffic, these neighborhoods, these areas are built and designed for single family houses. And now you bring in hundreds of more people into areas that don't have the infrastructure from a transportation standpoint for that. How's that going to work? How are we going to make that work? And, 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 I, and I think it's part of a deeper um, disturbing, uh, you know, goal of the state is to get people out of cars and move everybody to public transit. And so, so there's a bigger picture that's going on here. Um, the other thing I want to say, Mike, if I could, is, you know, we talk about, you know, housing and homelessness, and the two seem to get intermingled as if they're the same thing, and they're not, you know. Um, there's there's a definitely a housing shortage in this state, and, and, and that's not to be confused with homelessness and people living on the street. You know, people that are that are homeless and living on the street are there as a result of deeper issues, serious drug, alcohol, and mental health issues. So building more houses does not reduce our homelessness problem. You know, we can build all the houses in the world and we're still going to have the same homelessness problem unless we start to treat their drug, alcohol, and mental health issues to get them to be able to stay in houses. So, you know, part of this is that we need more. We have a terrible homeless crisis in California which we all see every night on TV. And so our answer is to build more houses. Well, yeah, we do have a housing shortage, that's true. 
but it will do nothing for our homeless population as far as solving that, that issue because it's a much deeper issue than a structure for someone to live in. And no matter how much we build, we can't build our way out of the homeless crisis that we're in. We need more treatment for services services for these people. So I always see that kind of, you know, they put those together, homelessness, we need more housing. No, that's these are two separate issues. There's a housing crisis, people who are in houses right now in apartments need more homes we we get that but but the people who are on the street it's it's not a housing crisis that's causing those people to be on the streets I agree with you 100%, and I think uh, one of the main issues there is housing is not addressing the root causes, the root issues. Uh, exactly. the, right? Uh, it's a symptom. It's a manifestation of the problem, but it's not addressing uh, uh, the root problem. An- another thing that I thought about, uh, again, we're talking with Terry Withrow. Uh, he is the vice chair of the Stanislaus County Board of Supervisors, representing District Number 3. How do you think this is going to affect property values for existing single-family residences? I mean, that, that it, it would seem to me that current single-family residences in some areas, uh, if, if you have duplexes that are going to be, or fourplexes that are going to be built uh, surrounding them, it seems like maybe the, the property values there might be affected. Well, yeah, there's no question that that will. You know, you put, you put, and not that, you know, people need duplexes. It, 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 they're good starter homes for people to start in, in, in homes like that. But um, you, you start to put those in, in neighborhoods that are, that are set up for single-family homes. And, and, again, you start to strain their infrastructure that they're originally designed for. Now you're going to lower the value of all these properties. And so... You know, we like we said, there's definitely a housing crisis, but and we need housing at all levels, from the low income level to the to the upper level. Because anytime we get a house at a at a higher level that somebody can move into, that frees up another house that somebody can can move into it maybe at a lower level, and that's everybody's goal, right? To it's the American dream to have your own home ownership and and to have a, have the big house. But um, but we start putting all these, and there's a reason for zoning laws. You know that we we try to locate the apartments and the the duplexes and the things like that in certain areas that that the infrastructure is set up for, and the single family homes. Those people who spend money on those, you know, now all of a sudden, if we're going to start throwing these duplexes and these possibly fourplexes and into these areas, you know, we're going to bring down the values, and, and that's just not fair to them. You know, they've made an investment based on an area that was zoned a certain way. And, and, and we all pick houses because we like the neighborhoods. We like where it is. And now all of a sudden you come in and mandate and change that neighborhood for someone who's already bought a house. I mean, that just is not fair. That's not fair to that individual who's made that investment, and now you've dropped the value in it as a result of legislation out of Sacramento. Just, again, just a total um, inequity that's happening there. Now, I may be overly suspicious, but I, I think it's interesting that the timing of Governor Newsom signing that comes right on the heels of uh, the recall uh, election. I think the timing yeah. of that was very interesting. Yeah. I know you're a busy yeah, man. Before we let, 
Before we let you go very quickly, uh, of course, on everybody's mind right now, COVID-19, the case rate, the vaccines, uh, et cetera. And uh, as, as Dr. Washapayan had uh, in, in her order, uh, we know that we need to get uh, at 20 or, or below 20 cases per 100,000 before the uh, mask uh, mandate can can change uh, from from your viewpoint on the board of supervisors for Stanislaus County. How do you think things are going? I think I think we're going a little bit in the wrong direction, right? And in, in terms of cases per one hundred thousand. Yeah, I don't know if we're getting close to that the number that we need to get to. I know the hospitalizations are getting better, so the kind of recent surge that we're having is um, I think is improving. Um, you know, I just. You know, from my own standpoint, I got the shot, you know, but it's but it was my call, and I want it to be everybody's individual call. So, mm. you know, I encourage people of, you know, go ahead and get the shot, because that's what's really going to, you know, at this point, you know, if we look at our hospitalizations right now, you know, it, it's almost 90% of these people who are in there, whether they're hospitalized or that are dying, are people that are unvaccinated. So, I, you know, I encourage people to get vaccinated. I definitely don't think it's our job to mandate vaccines. That's a personal decision. And I think everybody needs to be able to make that on their own. And so, um, and if they don't want to be vaccinated, then that's fine. That's just, that's where we are. But we do, are concerned for the, the uh, we just don't want to be in a situation where our hospitals overrun. I think that's getting better right now. And like I said, I would encourage people to get vaccinated. If I can get it, anybody can get it. But, but I totally understand for those who don't. And I in no way think that anybody should be forced to put something into their body that they don't want to. Terry Withrow, our guest, uh, he is the vice chair of the Stanislaus County Board of Supervisors representing District 3. Always a pleasure to have you on with us, uh, Terry Withrow, and uh, thank you so much for your service to the county on the Board of Supervisors. Appreciate you dropping by today. Thank you, Michael, and thanks for all you do on your show. Take care. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Coming up in a couple of minutes, uh, we'll talk more about vaccinations and mandates and masks and uh, zoning law that we've talked about. How's that going to affect your property and uh, how do you feel about that? Do you feel that your property value is in danger? Do you feel that Governor Newsom once again has done a, a bad overreach uh, of, of his authority as governor and has, as has the California legislature by passing and then signing SB9, which basically says we don't care, local government, about what you think. We don't care what you think your local zoning would be. We at the state level, we know better than you do. We'll get your reaction to that at 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483, as the Mike Douglas Show continues in just a couple of moments here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, every weekday at 3 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And uh, Trevor Carey coming up at 4 o'clock today on the Trevor Carey Show. Lots of great things happening here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And uh, one of the great things is my opportunity to visit with you every day, every weekday from 3 to 4 p.m. here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And by the way, tonight it's uh, NFL Thursday night. 
Carolina Panthers are going to be taking on the Houston Texans at 5 p.m. That's Thursday night football tonight on uh, Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And uh, by the way, a great lineup of Saturday shows as well. And uh, as I, I think I told you, I had the opportunity to uh, visit with Ed Parco and Marlene Champlin on Real Estate Jerky. That airs every Saturday at 12 noon here on uh, AM 1360 KFIV. And coming up this Saturday at 12 noon, uh, Ed Parco is going to be talking about how to choose and finance the best options for you when you're talking about home buying. And I wish I had known Ed way back when I bought a home. My first home, I I was uh, in law enforcement at the time. I bought it from a fellow police officer because he needed to sell his home. Uh, I needed to to buy my own place. And uh, I bought a manufactured home out in the Pomona area. And... (laughs) Uh, you wouldn't believe the the rate. Now, this is back in the mid-1980s. It was like 10-point-something percent. It was horrible. And uh, I'll tell you a story about that. I don't want to waste time right now with it, but uh, I'll tell you a story about that. It took years and years to unload that home. But I think God had a purpose in that because a uh, a lady that worked with my wife, uh, her husband arrived home, Uh, one day and then left before she got home. When she arrived home, she opened the front door. The house was empty. He had taken all the furniture and left a note on the floor. Hi, I'm divorcing you. I've taken everything with me. Goodbye. And so this woman was left with this empty house and a husband that had uh, gone AWOL. And so what happened was I was able to put her in this overly expensive manufactured home that I had in Pomona. I never raised the rent on her in 20 years, and it provided her with the shelter that she needed and a place that she could afford uh, for two decades. So, you know, this stuff kind of works out. But anyway, uh, Ed Parco will be talking about how to choose and finance the best uh, options for you regarding manufactured homes. I know a lot about those because I owned one. Anyway, the, again, real estate jerky with Ed uh, Parco and Marlene Champlin uh, coming up this Saturday at, uh, at noon. And then uh, later on in the afternoon, it's college football. I, do you love college football? I love college football season. In fact, I, I, I wear sackcloth and ashes, and I'm in a period of grieving when college football ends for the year at the end of the fall. Uh, I, I, I'm at my happiest sports-wise. I love the fall anyway, but I'm at my happiest when it's fall and when college football is on on Saturday. And you can hear some of that right here. Uh, at uh, 3 p.m. on Saturday, again, that, that's after 12 noon, Ed Parco and Real Estate Jerky at uh, 3 p.m. It'll be uh, Stanford versus UCLA, Stanford versus UCLA, uh, right here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. I'll view that game with some interest, uh, being an alumni of the University of Southern California, uh, that'll be interesting uh, for me to look at. Hey, have you been uh, monitoring what the CDC is up to? Uh, they're 
those rapscallions, they're, they're telling us we have, to, uh, we have to retool our language. That's right. They have a new guide for principles for inclusive communication. Hear about that? Yep. Uh, such words like diabetics and the homeless are dehumanizing, according to the CDC. So, uh, so now terms like uh, uh, biological male or female uh, are to be replaced with assigned male or assigned female at birth. Brother. Inmates uh, are, are supposed to be called people who are incarcerated. The CDC doesn't want us using the word inmates anymore. It's people who are incarcerated. And God forbid we should ever use the term illegal immigrants. Nope, it's people with undocumented status. People with undocumented status. So, um, so there we go. And uh, their, their, their rationale behind this is to build a healthier America for all And we must confront the systems and policies that have resulted in the generational injustice that has given rise to healthy inequalities. So, my opinion on that? Into the trash can. All right, CDC, do your job and leave us alone. All right, Mike Douglas here. Look forward to seeing you tomorrow at 3 o'clock here on Power Talk 1360 KFIB. Thanks for so much for joining us today. And again, look forward to seeing you tomorrow at 3 o'clock here on the Mike Douglas Show. Power Talk 1360 KFIB.